0: Hello and welcome to the trade deadline edition of the Hasbro podcast. Uh, I have with me our two Habs World hockey insiders, Jonathan Ribello and Norm Sirik. How are you doing, fellas?
1: Pretty great. How about you, Norm?
2: Good, good. Everyone.
0: All right. Uh, this is uh, probably the, one of the busiest days in the NHL, so uh, we got plenty of uh, plenty of things to discuss and a few even Habs related. So uh, we'll start with the. The, tra- the trades involving the, our Habs in the last week or so. Uh, first off, let's uh, let's get your reactions to the trade today, the the big one with Montreal that Andre Kostitsin being sent to uh, Nashville to reunite with his brother for uh, basically a second round pick. Uh,
1: well, well, the trade excited me uh, for two reasons. One, uh, I was happy to, that they, you it know, looked like Gauthier was going to start selling the UFAs, and we got set another second-round pick for Kostitson, which is nice to stockpile those because those second-round picks can end up being pretty important, especially if you want to move up in the draft or you know picking some mid-level prospects. And also, by starting early in the morning with that first trade of the day, I thought it meant uh, Gauthier was going to be very active and maybe make three, four, or five deals, but... Um, as as the Hab season has gone this year, I just ended up being disappointed and on that front. <laughs>
2: yeah, what about you, Norm? Yeah, I like the trade. I, it was one of those positions where it, things were just weren't working out for him anymore. And unfortunately, when you have a, a player who's supposed to be offensive and isn't producing and he starts getting his ice time cut and then he can't produce because he's not getting his ice time it doesn't uh help inflate the uh, the price of the player so i think the return was pretty decent considering all that um I'm sure there were some other factors to consider like the the uh the point that uh he's, it's been made that he he had indicated he did want to return to montreal even though he's going to be in ufa this summer um and who knows maybe that could still happen but Let's face it—the chance to to play with his brother again in a different environment, maybe with less pressure—it might be just the sort of thing he needs to uh, get his uh, career kickstarted again.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, well, I'm not uh, I'm not surprised that uh, Kostitsin got dealt because he was one of the favorites, being that he's a unrestricted free agent this summer, and and uh, honestly, I don't know what Koci could have done. There's no way he could have resigned him. I mean, he would have had to take a pay cut in order to, to stay in Montreal, right? So, yeah, he, he was bound for the door. So, I mean, getting a second-round pick is uh, probably the best you can do. No one's going to give up a first-rounder for him. So, I mean, it, you got to be happy with that trade. Uh,
2: yeah, pretty pleased. I mean, and considering that the rumor's out there bef- within the last few days or so, it, we're, we're not uh, – the, basically stating that there wasn't a whole lot of activity from other teams, there wasn't a whole lot of interest. In other words, so Nashville seemed like the the best destination. Uh, with them going into the playoffs, they 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 could use the depth, especially on offense. And uh, you know, it uh, it certainly helped uh, Sergey get his uh, career going. So uh, why not? Maybe uh, his more talented brother could uh, end up doing the same. <laughs>
1: It'll be interesting to see, too, because uh, the last time the Kostetson brothers played together, and it looks like they'll probably end up uh, playing together with Mike Fisher as their center. Um, if they last time they played at the big center was Robert Lang, and before he got injured, they were both playing pretty well for the Canadians, if you guys remember, if in January there when Lang got his Achilles tendon cut a couple of years ago or whatever happened to him, and he went down, the Kostetsons really started to fall off then, and that's really when Serge started to fall out of
2: face. Yeah. So...
0: Yeah, the yeah, right. uh, dreaded barber pole uniforms. I still remember that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, those things are got awful. Yeah, I re- I remember the 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 chemistry they had though. Yeah, that is a shame. You know, things just didn't seem to connect well for them for well various reasons, timing and coaching and whatnot. But you know I, I don't have any ill will for the for the fellow I, I think he did play reasonably well for the team and uh sure he wasn't consistent and yes he didn't live up to the hype of some of the other players who were drafted in the first round after him in, in his draft year but you know that's in, in a way that's not entirely his fault he's still a decent player he'll probably do well in nashville and, and i'm Quite content with uh, a second round his return. So um, I hope the scouts are uh, going to be sharp this time, and, well, this year and uh, next.
0: Please don't uh, bring up the Andre in draft year. <laughs> it's too painful. <laughs> and uh, I mean, he I'm was always
2: going to come up, though. <laughs> yeah,
0: I know. He's one of those players who, uh, you know, after the years he's had with Montreal, he's, he just needed a change of scenery because I'm sure the whole, whole fan base was just kind of at our getting frustrated with him because he's got so much talent and you know when when he's on he, he can be like a top line player but he's just he, he's on once every 10 games it seems right so it's uh after a few years that kind of uh, routine gets a little old so
1: yeah and he always seemed to fall out of favor with coaches uh you know all every coach that he had from uh, Ganey to Julian, to Carbono to Marte, to Cunnyworth now. It seems like he's always fallen out of favour and been shuffled up on lines and put with players who aren't playing well. And on that end, I kind of do feel a little bad for Andre. He's never been given consistent line mates for a long period of time. And when he did, with Placanitz and Camilleri there, uh, he did play fairly well. But he seems to be, you know, the guy... First guy benched him and Ellers, you know, sent to the fourth liner staple to the end of the bench mid game, which is very tough for a player who's offensive and needs to produce to put up points. And people can say, oh, are they still play in 13 or 14 minutes. It is quite a big difference going from 13, 14 minutes to 17 to 19. Those uh, four, five, or six minutes can make a huge difference in getting your legs into the game as an offensive player and increasing the amount of scoring chances you get.
0: Yeah that's a that's kind of a chicken and egg story where you know he's not getting the minutes but he when he does get them he's not putting in the effort or making mistakes so it's kind of a it's always a vicious cycle with him it seems
2: yeah i i agree there and and from all what i heard early on in this guy's career too i mean when he was a junior i, I was reading some scouting reports during the 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 habs draft year and and uh this one there was this one service well i won't drop the name but anyway i subscribe to it and get these reports every once in a while uh, anyway they, stitson was just on fire when they were playing him uh, for the belarusian team i think it was must have been the world junior championships that year and he was skating for 25 plus minutes uh, every game and and never looked out of shape or, or fatigued at all he was always like he was just a workhorse as as an 18 year old you know so uh, he, he can definitely handle it I, I always thought he was a guy who was going to be in pretty de- uh, good shape and could handle the extra pressure and the extra responsibility well but you know just montreal's a unique environment though when it comes to hockey <laughs> not everybody can hack it
1: that's yeah, for sure and i I, I think i think um we should probably you know drop the kastitson thing because he's he's gone and out of sight out of mind and i think maybe we should move over to the hal gill trade and uh talk about what we got back for him and it looks like blake jeffrey will actually be playing his first game as a hab uh Looks like tomorrow night against Tampa. So, what did you guys think about the Hal Gill trade?
0: Uh, I mean, uh, <clears throat> I mean, the uh, I'm not surprised, obviously, that Hal Gill went. He's another guy whose uh, whose contract was up. So, uh, with Jeffrey on, I mean, he, I don't know if I have much much hope in him making any kind of an impact. He'll he'll probably bounce around between uh, Hamilton and Montreal for a little while, and then he'll be lucky to have a third or fourth line position with the team. So uh I don't know. there's not a whole lot to get excited about there, but I mean, I guess it's another body. What do you think, Norm?
2: Yeah, he's he's an interesting uh case, you know. He's had a pretty good he obviously has a great hockey pedigree. I mean, the guy's practically got two levels of of Montreal Canadiens DNA bred in him. Uh thanks to his uh, grandfather and great-grandfather, Howie Morenz. but but he he's he's kind of intriguing as a prospect he had decent size uh he was as a college player he progressed pretty well and in, in, in his senior year he was like the hobie baker award winner for which is the award for those who aren't aware of the top college player in, in uh, hockey so you, you know it's a pretty elite award and he was a pretty good scorer at that uh, point too so the, the fellow had enough interest though in 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 developing in college and, and sticking it out for academic reasons or, or hockey reasons or whatever. And, uh, and so now he's in his second year after graduating college to, uh, in the pros and he's, he's still only 24 years old, but only in partway into his second year. And, and, uh, some players are kind of, or some people have kind of looked at the stats and he hasn't really had great stats as a pro. Uh, but he's had some flashes here and there. And, um, so some people might be quick to, to label him as inconsistent because of it. Uh, I mean, I was reading that he had scored a a hat-trick in the NHL last year. I think it was against the Sabres in a regular season game. And I think he had six in total for the whole half a season or less that he played. So he's he's kind of like one of those guys... Yeah, in a way, yeah. Um, kind of, in a way, an intriguing kind of a prospect is what I'm trying to get. I, I, yeah, he's probably going to be starting off fourth line, maybe graduate to third line, maybe the type of guy who can fill in on one of the top two lines for an injury period. But, um, you know, kind of a work in progress, I'd have to say at this point to see if he's going to uh, pan out at It to be any more than uh, than a bottom six guy. But uh, the fact that he's packaged in with another another second-round pick, though, is is pretty uh, pretty impressive. I thought the return was pretty good on the Gill uh, move. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I th- I think I agree with you guys for the most part there. I'm Blake Jeffrey on, uh, definitely a good pedigree, but it looks like he'll be more uh slotted for a bottom 6 type role. He does bring size and uh I have read lots of good stuff about his skating ability. Uh in fact in the draft year, like I knew nothing about him, but just because of his name, I I wanted the Habs to take a shot on him just cuz you ne- you never know, right? And it always Great. seems like the guys with uh with some type of pedigree they, they obviously get a lot more chances than other guys in terms of their career-wise and people looking at them. Like, you can just look at the Stahl brothers, for example. Uh, that fourth Stahl brother, I, I forget what his name is now. It, uh, it, it, the name eludes me. But he got drafted there, and all of his brothers always said that he was the best one. And he's by far the worst one, I think, because uh, he got picked <laughs> up, and I don't think he's had a sniff of the NHL. I remember watching him a couple times in Kingston when he was playing in the OHL, and he was just terrible playing for the Subway so, a Sudbury Wolves. So... um pedigree does have something to do with it and i definitely want i'm excited to see him have a shot and hopefully he doesn't uh feel too much pressure of uh, playing in montreal because with that name on the back of his sweater no matter how low the expectations of people are people are going to see that name and expect a lot from him so i hope uh hopefully he can deal with that uh cause it's going to be a lot different than nashville and being born in plantation florida that's for sure
0: <laughs> i think he you just said, I hope he doesn't feel any pressure playing in Montreal with the name Jeffrey on there. I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't think there's much chance of that. Uh, that's, that's probably his biggest downfall is uh, his name because that's going to be an albatross around his neck, I guarantee you. Uh
2: Yeah, yeah, I can't wait for the uh, the training staff to go to him and, and uh, ask him about uh, which number does he prefer, 57 or 75? Because uh, I'm thinking some combination of 7 and 5 are going to end up on his back. Yeah.
1: Um, Well, actually, he just tweeted that uh, he was going to be wearing either 55, 55, 57, or 75, and then it looks like one of the Habs Inside Out guys leaked that it's going to be 57, and now on the Canadian's website, he is appearing as number 57, so he'll be um, erasing Benoit Pouliot from our minds, I hope, pretty quickly.
2: Oh, I hope so. (laughs) uh,
0: You're like the Kreskin there, Norm.
2: Wow, I didn't even check that out, Jonathan. That's a, that's pretty good. I was just pr- making a making a bit of a prediction. That's all.
1: Well, you got it. Uh, you, you you nail hit the nail on the head because uh, Blake Jeffrey will be wearing number fifty seven tomorrow night, and uh, it'll it'll be exciting to see what he can do. I hope he gets a and gets put in a good role. I'd like to see him play with uh, maybe Thomas Placanitz for his first game, and I hope when he comes to Montreal on Thursday that he gets a big pop and gets to, uh, to play in the starting lineup. It'll be tons of fun for him. and You might as well get his confidence going.
2: Sure, I completely agree there. Yeah, I'd just like to add one other thing. I, since I've been researching uh, th- things about Jeffrey and after the trade, and I happen to come across this. Apparently, he got um, he had an injury during this this fall's uh, training camp where he got a skate blade cut his wrist, and uh, he was out wow. for a couple couple of weeks. And uh, and I was I'm reading further on that. Even after he came back, he was still reporting some numbness in in his uh, hand where he wasn't. he was having a difficulty with grabbing his stick, and that seems to have lasted uh, into November or so. So you know, this may have been part of the reason he had such a, a setback in terms of like his stats, at least. You know, not doing too uh, well for the uh, for the Predators at the start of the year.
0: Ah, huh, well, let's hope that uh, that that's it. It's just an injury or something that he's uh, overcoming, but. Uh, yeah, if you, if you read kind of the, the scouting reports on that's the, they don't have a whole lot of, uh, hope for him being kind of a standout offensive player, but I mean, you never know. He could be, a, he could be a late bloomer, a guy who went, uh, I think he went all four years of college hockey, right? So yeah, he, uh, he's definitely going to be a mature player. You know, he's not, uh, not going to be doing anything stupid after matches. I don't think, but, uh, I mean, there's always hope he could, uh, he could turn out to be something late bloomer. So I guess uh yeah, I guess both trades, if you look back at them, uh with Kastits and Gill getting second round picks and uh and a prospect, uh, for guys that were gonna leave at the end of the season and uh weren't gonna be helping us in the playoffs. So I mean, all in all you gotta give uh Gauthier some credit for that, I suppose.
1: Yeah, I would have liked to see him uh, you know, move Chris Campoli somehow. Um move Matthew Darsh. Um Move Petri Noca line, and you know, all those guys that might not be part of the future, you know, get something for them, anyways. Uh, I know that Mike Commodore got a seventh round pick, and I know he's a Stanley Cup winner, but he's only played two games this year, so you think that maybe you know Campoli could have got a seventh rounder, but I have no idea. I'm sure he did try to sell them. Um, in my opinion, now moving forward though, with a guy like Chris Campoli and a guy like Matthew Darsh, I'd like to see the Habs wave those guys and just get them out of here, send them to Hamilton if they want, but I don't think there's any reason for. Anybody that's uh, not going to be on the team next year to be playing any games or any type of minutes for the Canadians, I'd I just much rather see youth youth playing, even if that means uh, Andreas Enkvist coming back up and some guys that have shown a little bit less at the NHL level. I'd like to see as many of them get a shot as possible at playing uh, some NHL hockey before next season
2: well yeah, yeah i'm in agreement with you there i i it, we, we all can i think we all concede at this point that the season's lost for any playoff hopes why not yeah just let the kids have a chance you know maybe not tax the veterans as much as they've been taxed before in terms of their playing time and and you know who cares let's just let them play out the rest of the season and we'll hopefully retool in the off season.
0: yeah well it, it, it might be nice to be able to see what these guys have to offer but uh not too many teams just kind of throw caution to the wind and, and sit a bunch of veterans just to bring up a whole whack of young guys. Uh, usually it's kind of more of a slow process where they'll bring up maybe a couple of forwards and a defenseman and and see how these guys who they kind of have hopes for next year and see how they make out. So uh, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of the guys will be will coming up, and hopefully when they do come up, I mean, even some of the guys that have been bouncing around between Hamilton and Montreal, that they, they get some kind of decent minutes, maybe even a second power play unit, you know, just to see what they can do. Because it's one thing to come up and play kind of fourth line minutes, but it's that's kind of that's, that kind of wreaks havoc on your confidence and and uh, doesn't help your stats any, right? So let's hope uh, if any of the young guys do come up, that they actually get a decent chance. So now that uh that kind of i was gonna just mention maybe a couple of guys that we expected to go out and i know mean, oh, jonathan you mentioned Campoli. uh what about uh travis mohan because he's another guy that most people expect to be traded but i assume his latest upper body injury had something to do with him not moving what do you think
1: well, I know that Bob McKenzie had said uh, earlier on in the week, or I'm sorry, on the weekend and the week previous to, is that um, Montreal was not moving Travis Mullen, that uh, Pierre Gauthier was looking to sign him. And obviously by not trading him, um, I for one, I'll, I'll be furious if they if they don't sign him now. Because if you don't trade a guy like Travis Mullen, who even injured would have to have some value, like I would think, you know, even a second and third round, he offers a similar dimension to the game. Um if if they don't sign Travis Mohn, I'll be, I'll be furious because it's just ridiculous to let a guy like that stay on your team when he's going to be gone next year and you get nothing for him. It makes no sense to the future. So they better sign him before July 1st or I won't be a happy camper.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's uh, he's uh, he's one of those guys who's just kind of tailor-made for a, for a late-season rental for a playoff run because he's got the playoff experience in the Stanley Cup ring. So... I even see his old linemate, Sammy Paulson, got traded uh, to Vancouver today. So he's he's definitely one of those guys who, who could help a team trying to make a run. So I'm sure if he wasn't injured, he would probably be gone because uh, you know God knows when he's going to come back or be completely healthy. So, yeah, I completely agree. If, if we're not going to get rid of him for at least a, a pick or two, that, I mean, he could help us next year. He, he had a great start to the season this year. So he's only 29, I think, so... He's still got plenty of plenty of time left.
1: What about what about yeah. you? What do you think, Norm?
2: Yeah, I, I'm in agreement there. I think that uh, I, I, although I was in the camp thinking that the Habs were definitely going to move him, he seemed like a really likely candidate uh, to be moved. Uh, maybe they had a change of heart in that, when, when, and maybe they are sincere about wanting to resign him. I certainly hope if that's that is the case because I agree with you guys. I wouldn't want to see him just sit around on the roster and payroll and then be uh, just gone through UFA with nothing in return. You know, he's still a valuable uh, asset. He plays his role pretty well. So uh, especially adds some toughness to the, to the team. So it's, uh, it'd be nice to see him uh, stay, stay on.
1: Yeah. He could be a very valuable part to, uh, to a fourth line moving forward. If they can obviously keep him on the fourth line and have the depth to have Travis Moore on the fourth line, but him and you know sign a, a good fourth line center you know right on july 1st and not wait around and try to claim a blair bets or something like that a risk montreal's really gotta you know steady that back part of the of, of the forwards if you can have a steady fourth line it, it, it just helps so much in those games where you know your top nine aren't doing very much and you can send that fourth line out there and be confident that they're not going to cost you a goal and maybe create your goal or spark you offensively
0: yes yeah, yeah he he can definitely help us next year if uh if we can find the money to, to keep them. So let's hope it happens. Uh, maybe we can go around the league a little bit and talk about some of the, the trades that didn't involve the Habs. Uh, I guess the biggest blockbuster one was the, I don't know, I use that word <laughs> with that air quotes, blockbuster, because uh, the biggest trade of the day was definitely uh, Cody Hodgson to the Sabres for Zach Cassian. I think. Zach Cassian. Ca- Zach Cassian. that's his name. So, yeah, that's have you a, got a
1: chance to watch that Zach Cassian play? By the way,
0: uh, not really. I think I might have seen him once.
1: He is an absolute bull. Yeah. Like he he drives the net like crazy, and he will fight anyone. He would have kind of been a Buffalo Sabres version of a Milan Lucic, for example. So they got rid of him for uh, you know a center now in Cody Hodgson, who can probably be a center. Um, a, a long-term solution for Buffalo because he's a pretty talented young kid. I know there was lots of questions and problems with him in Vancouver from starting out with his back injury where Alevino didn't believe that he was injured and then not getting enough ice time and, he you know, just a bunch of problems with him. And who knows if he's a problem kid or not. He always seemed to be uh, a good go-to guy for Team Canada there. But uh, interest, it'll, the trade will be interesting because I think both teams get uh, a great player. Yeah,
2: yeah what do you think, I- I, yeah i agree it's definitely one of those trades where the main components are going to help both sides uh i can i i've kind of liked uh hodgson he's been a he's been an interesting case too but he's had some tough um back injuries i think early in his career and it's taken a while to get going but this year he seems to have uh, really taken off uh considering you know he's on a pretty deep team but uh in vancouver but um, so I think he'll he'll definitely help out Buffalo because he'll end up in a top six role right away and and probably flourish. In the but on the other side of it, Zach Cassian is is an interesting fellow and I got to see him firsthand when he was in his last year of junior because he played for the Windsor Spitfires and I I took in a quite a, a few games that season. And when that guy's on, he's just a beast. I mean, he's he is so big and and, and close to a luchik, not quite, but I mean, he's just you know just solid stocky kind of player he's got decent wheels he's got soft hands and he's quite willing to drop the the gloves to go at anybody i mean he'll stick up for teammates no no problems in in one way in fact he he might have uh, he had he got into an an issue off ice that caused him uh, to he called into the buffalo sabers uh principal office basically because he got involved in a, an altercation outside of a uh, a bar in downtown windsor which is pretty <laughs> common on, on a saturday night around here and uh and all that but unfortunately uh no charges were were placed he got the whole thing uh the whole thing dropped and all that but uh still that that might have left a bit of a black mark uh against him with the the buffalo sabers uh management so i'm not in that way i'm not surprised he was he was traded but he's still an excellent prospect he was probably going to do quite well out in uh, vancouver
0: yeah it, that when i first heard of the trade I, I thought wow you know vancouver gave up on hodgson because th- i think this is really his first full season it is yes so and and mm-hmm. like you say, with anybody who follows the World Juniors, and he was kind of a big name for a couple of years there. So, yeah, uh, he seemed like the guy who, you know, who could be like a top line guy. But but when you look at the deal, that like Cassian man, he he seems like uh, you know, he's one of those guys. He's still only young, right? He's only like twenty years old or something. So he could bloom into being the you know big time power forward, and he's uh, he's that's something that a lot of teams. Want and it's kind of hard to come by. It's a guy who's got size but also can score. I mean, he's, you know, the complete package, right? So he's right, a,
2: exactly.
0: If I, if I, uh, looking from a Havs perspective, if, if I was wanting one of those two guys, I'd probably take Zach Cassian over Hodgson at this point.
1: Yeah, from a Habs perspective, though, it's hard to turn down a center that could probably score lots of points, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, I suppose either one of them could help, so uh, but uh, but yeah, so. It seems like uh, one of those. I think a few of the insiders were saying, "Oh, it's like an old-time hockey deal. You know, both teams get something out of it, so it's it's not a salary dump or you know getting rid of a veteran for a prospect or something. It's kind of two young guys that uh, kind of need a, a new fit, right? Because Hodgson wasn't going to get his top two line minutes with uh, the Sedin and Kessler ahead of him, right? So
1: yeah, but there's nothing wrong with having depth like that with three three centers uh in your lineup so it'll be an interesting move to see how vancouver does i think that uh there's a lot of pressure on them to at least get back to the cup finals Uh, on a vancouver note i really think that you know if they get knocked out in the first or second round i think you'll see Alevino fired
0: oh i'm sure uh, i'm sure the pressure's on this year for sure
1: speaking about uh, when you said sammy paulson got traded to vancouver there as well when you mentioned that earlier did i i know by any chance, either of you get to hear the little uh, interview he gave to TSN afterwards?
0: Uh, I think I caught like just part of it. but Because uh... he
1: didn't sound too impressed about uh, getting traded, to, even to Vancouver. He sounded like it's going to be quite the hassle for him and his family. Like Just by talking to him, he seemed completely disinterested in uh, in going to the playoffs and playing for a cup contender, just by the sound of his voice and his attitude. Really?
0: Yeah, yeah I noticed he wasn't kind of jumping for joy or nothing, but... He was mentioning something about you know i'm sure i can do it again or you know i don't know i don't know maybe he's just kind of giving them lip service or whatnot but uh i think i only heard about 10 seconds worth of it Uh, and on
1: another columbus blue jackets note did you guys see what scott housen did to rick nash
0: uh well i kind of read something about that but uh you can probably recap it better than me
1: well, and he gave an interview after the uh, trade deadline closed and said that uh, he told everybody that Rick Nash had actually approached him and asked him for the trade. So he threw Nash under the bus there. So he got the captain of the Columbus Blue Jackets for the next two months. Um, doesn't even want to be there. He doesn't want to be the captain. He wants to be gone. So it wasn't the, that Columbus was looking to move him. It was the other way around.
0: Yeah, that uh, – it, it kind of sounds at, at first glance like a big story, but I'm sure – sure most people must have assumed that Rick Nash wanted out of there. I mean, I'm I'm surprised he's lasted this long, to be honest, because Columbus has been a terrible team for for years, and and Nash is kind of a big fish in a small pond there. So I'm uh, I'm surprised he's lasted this long without asking to be traded out of there, because he's a, I mean, he's a world class talent. He's a he's, he deserves more than just a you know an 82 game season every year and then golfing. <laughs> What do you
2: think, yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. It, it was a tough, uh, tough situation. It kind of surprised me too to to see them kind of thrown under the bus like that. I'm I'm kind of wonder was it kind of orchestrated that way to maybe give off a certain optic, you know, maybe to indicate that uh, this isn't just the management uh, unhappy with a player. That's it's, it's the player who's unhappy with the, the situation, and and maybe that might make it a little bit easier to move them in the uh, off season, maybe before the the uh, draft or something, that seems to be a prime time for a lot of uh, the next wave of moves I mean
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if because uh, a lot of times like, you hear a GM come out and say something like this you kind of got to read between the lines of what's he trying to get out there but uh, I think, I'm not sure if, uh, if there was too much uh, forethought when they, when he made those comments because when you, when you think about it I don't think rick nash should be to blame for for uh kind of asking to be traded and it's not his fault housing couldn't get a trade done because when you read the reports he was pretty much asking for the world Like right? it's like a top forward top defenseman first round pick and a goaltender like i mean he wanted a half a team for rick nash <laughs> so I mean right. and it didn't seem like he was gonna budge he kept all oh, the rumors coming out that he wanted, you know, this one player like Delzato from the Rangers, or uh, I don't know who, what, who the other team Gardner
1: were. from the Leafs.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. that was a, I think that was a Toronto made-up story that one, but. But I mean, so
1: apparently in terms of Toronto stories, Brian Burke I think turned down 1st uh, round picks today for uh, for no name players <laughs> off his roster. He uh, just he was not looking to sell because uh, everybody was offering him first rounders for everybody. So even uh, even I guess some of his minor leaguers people were offering him first rounders for, and he just did not want to budge on any of those. So yeah. Burke had quite the day.
0: Yeah, I mean he he's always the, the big the big man in the room, right? He's uh, he's the guy who gets everything started. <laughs> I mean, really? I, for the last month I've been hearing about what's Brian Burke going to do to get the trade started this year because he's always – it seems like everybody waits for him, right?
2: <laughs> or it's either that or, or a bit of a slow day for the Toronto media.
0: Yeah. Uh, On
1: a Leafs note, uh, boys, do you guys think they're going to make the playoffs?
0: Well, I got my uh, my Toronto Maple Leafs voodoo doll uh, working hard so that they don't. So.
1: Do you actually have one? <laughs>
0: no it's only in my mind (laughs) no that's the only bright spot of the season so far is toronto's a recent fall from grace
1: yeah they're in trouble Eh, they only have two wins in the last 10 or 11 games or something like that so not good in toronto i think uh i I was watching tsn sports and they only have like two of a possible 18 points in the last nine games or something like that or three three of a possible 18 points in the last nine games
0: I think uh, they could use a guy like uh, Carey Price. I think, eh.
1: Oh, well, you shouldn't say that. What would you do? What would you do if the Leafs offered Carey Price an offer sheet this summer?
0: Ooh. I would uh, counter at fifty percent more, whatever they offered. <laughs>
1: well, all you have to do is match it. He's an RFA. Yeah. Okay, no. but serious question. Like, let's say they gave him like an enormous, enormous amount of money, and it was that that uh, whatever that barrier is. I think it's over seven million. Is uh, five first-round draft picks? Would you take the picks? What would no, would sign Price for that eight million dollars a year.
0: I would take Price because I don't trust any picks that uh, the Montreal Canadiens make. Plus, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, no, I wouldn't let him go for anything. No way. I mean, uh, go- goaltenders like him are. I mean, they're they're so hard to come by. It's it's so hard for a goaltender to have. I mean, even now, more than really one or two good seasons. So. Uh, I think he's going to be a, a star for years, so I, I wouldn't let him go for anything.
2: Yeah, that's an interesting scenario, but I, I agree with uh, you, Mike, because it, there's just too much uncertainty with uh, with that position for the rest of the organization too. They really don't have any uh, any, any significant prospects to that might have a chance at uh replacing him even if they if they let him go and and really you're talking about a player who really doesn't have any significant flaws in his game you, you know no, i know little, and, and he's matured
0: different. so much too in the last year yeah
1: right? oh yeah, and i exactly. agree with that too mike 100 percent. his attitude is absolutely incredible um you know this year there's been no whining or complaining um not that he was ever much of a, of a whiner but uh you know, he just seems like he's got the right attitude. And I, I, it must suck for him right now losing all these games. But I hope Carey Price can see the light at the end of the tunnel and know that, you know, one bad year is not the end of your career. And if, you know, Montreal can end up with a top five pick and can really get somebody to bolster that lineup that can enter the NHL next year, it uh, it could really be a great thing. And hopefully Price and Georges and P.K. Subban and Eric Cole, you know, the, the guys that really seem like they care and are working hard out there, you know, nine games out of ten, or every shift, it looks like for most for the most part for those guys. Hopefully, they do see the light at the end of the tunnel and know that, you know, some of these five, six, nine game losing streaks aren't the end of the world because next year is a brand new season.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think that's pretty much all I had for the trade deadline discussions. Uh, uh, anything you want to add uh, before we call it call it a podcast?
1: Um, just a couple, a little bit of information. I, I, don't, I don't follow the prospects too uh, wildly, but over the last little while, there's been some really positive stuff that uh, Patrick Holland kid that they got from the Camilleri trade, the Canadians did. I think he's, you know, number one or very close to the top in WHL assists now. I think his last four games, he had 14 points. And uh, a couple of weeks ago or a week and a half ago, that uh, Darren kid that they picked up in the draft last year, tied a whl record with uh four goals for a defenseman in one game so
0: there is
1: there is some positives on the back end uh or sorry not the back end but the in the prospect pool of the Montreal Canadiens and hopefully that can continue next year
0: well let's uh let's keep our fingers crossed for that one uh anything you want to add norm
2: um I just wanted to throw out a rumor I guess I I don't know if you guys had heard about this I guess it just came up over the weekend uh something about uh, along the lines of the uh of the fact that uh goche is 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 now become a figurehead for uh for the canadians and and that uh, jeff molson is actually handling the uh the day-to-day operations of the club and i i don't know how much how plausible it is but i just wanted to bounce it off you guys and see what you thought of it
0: (laughs) yeah i heard something like that but honestly i don't i can't see really too much in that one i mean uh it doesn't seem like jeff molson is is a kind of a hands-on kind of guy and i don't know it seems like he's busy enough with uh with his other commitments and and whenever i see goche now i don't know if it's just lately but he's always got uh bob gainey at his side so it kind of makes you wonder it just a couple of years ago it was bob gainey with goche assisting and now it's goche with bob gainey sitting right beside him so <laughs> it doesn't seem like a whole lot has changed there in the in the management office, so I, I, yeah. don't, I don't really think Molson has got really anything to do with it, other than kind of the final say and, uh anything big, I
1: suppose. Yeah, I think I think I agree with you there, Mike, and I really hope that uh, that Molson's not getting too involved in hockey decisions and operations because I don't uh, think he has much of a hockey pedigree and knows much about the game other than possibly being a fan. But again, I'm speaking all from no knowledge on jeff molson's uh, ability or knowledge of hockey
0: yeah uh, i don't know i think that was a maybe a slow news day for the montreal media i think because I,
1: I don't really put up a whole lot of stock in that one seems like every yeah. day is a slow news day for those guys yeah
2: <laughs> yeah let's just chalk it up to that well i've got one more thing i'd like to share with you guys because i was uh, i had recorded the uh, the trade center on sportsnet uh for today and and there was one quote that i i heard uh, during one of the uh the panels they had a number of gms or former gms i should say uh let's see there was uh brian lawton pat quinn neil smith and uh doug mcclain so they were all around with jeff merrick as the host and uh talking about trades of the past and trades of the present and and whatnot and uh was and
0: this for Cain's,
2: sports sports net it was on sports net yeah okay yeah and so uh, there was the best quote I heard, and it was came from Brian Lawton when he was describing uh, the, you know, relationships with different, between different GMs and all that and when he was a GM. And maybe he was reflecting on it when he was a GM or when he was a, a player agent. I'm not sure which, but he, he basically said that Pierre G has the personality of a peanut butter sandwich.
0: <laughs> That's a good one because uh, <laughs> I, I think I might be giving him a little too much credit. <laughs> I like peanut butter sandwiches.
2: Well, I like him too, but still, it's not not the kind of uh, description you expect for a uh, a manager of a hockey team. I, I laughed anyway. I wanted to share that one.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's probably his biggest flaw as a GM because uh, he might have a great hockey mind, but I don't know how much he's uh, he can squeeze out of somebody with negotiating skills. Kind of, I don't know. It seems like like you say he's a he's pretty plain and, and, and soft spoken, so that's probably his biggest detriment.
1: Yeah. All I can say to that, uh, Norm, is that uh, I wish I could say I was surprised.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, that seems like a good place to end it. So uh, I guess uh, we'll call it a night, and uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks, boys. See
1: you in a couple of weeks.
2: All right, see you guys. Best. If there's a goal that everyone remembers, it was back in 072. Squeeze the stick and we all pull the trigger